Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? I'm all right. Yourself? Hanging right in there. It's uh, early Tuesday morning. I will say, I think this is the earliest uh, Extreme Common Sense show that we've done. That's possible. Yeah, so this is what I would say at the crack of dawn. So I've been up uh, for about an hour and threw together some some stuff here. I put together a top ten list. So when it's not funny at all, like after 5 a.m., it's because I did it so early. That is funny. You're not a morning person. I don't mind mornings. And I think it's just one of those natural things. The older you get, you start to sort of become more of a, an early person. But... Yeah. You know, for me, that was 10 years ago, sleep until noon on weekends to now like 1045 on weekends. So like I'm getting there, but I'm still not, you know, not getting up at 8 a.m. on a weekend for sure. What time you stay up till? Oh, man. Uh, at least one, if not a little later. Okay. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite late night host after Greg Gutfeld? Oh, God. Well, Greg Gutfeld is my favorite, so <clears throat> which is a reference I don't get. Oh, you don't? No. I, I usually watch Colbert, and I always sort of joke that I think he's kind of the worst 1130 host, but he puts me puts me to sleep. So I watch Colbert. He's good enough, and, and he's the least likely to have me so entertained I can't fall asleep. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I love Fallon, who, of course, I've met. And uh, I think Kimmel's uh, does a great show. I'm, I'm a late night fan. I, I like a lot of them, but I'd say probably Seth Meyers is maybe my favorite. Uh, but he's twelve thirty. So do yourself a favor and go over to Fox at eleven o'clock. It's called Gutfeld, G U T F E L D, and Greg Gutfeld is—he's not a young man. He's—I always call him the Gutfeld kid, just to be dismissive. But he's in his probably mid to maybe late fifth, mid fifties. And he hosts a show with four ultra-conservative people. And, you know, he attempts to be funny. Uh, now, apparently, he's drawn ratings, Tristan. Yeah. Um, he likes to talk about how he's the highest-rated late-night host. But I think what that does is the people who are going to watch Fox aren't going to watch Fallon or Kimmel or uh, Colbert or even Trevor Noah. So if you were to combine all the folks watching those other shows, obviously probably be three to one against Gutfeld. But he he gets his audience. And, um, you know, Tyrus, the big wrestler, he, he's a he's a frequent, almost a co-host. And, um, you know, they'll bring on these real minor uh, celebrities. There's generally almost no one of of notoriety you know there's no big stars it's not Kimmel it's not Fallon and and it but it is a pseudo talk show and he attempts to be funny um but a lot of it's kind of corny but you need to watch it for a night or two just to just to tell me what you think definitely yeah I will absolutely check that out it sounds uh entertaining for maybe all the wrong reasons yeah, and I don't even know if it's entertaining. Like, they'll do – I mean, they just beat the left up constantly. Like, there's just no – well, it's Fox. 
I mean, it's just there's there's no nuance to your word. It's just straight on. You know, Joe is an addled old man. Hillary's just a piece of shit. Uh, the Obamas are corrupt as can be. Hunter Biden needs to be in jail, and just no no nuance, no counter to that. You know, it's just that whole Fox thing that they do. Wow. Well, you know, they are kind of that, uh, you know, you know what you're going to get when you tune in. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're feeding the flames of your, you know, your bias and your, your political party. So, um, yeah, man, with that, uh, should we mention some sponsors and, and get to it? Oh, I'm sorry. You you went you went away. We're doing another Riverside, and and you you just went away there. I I I, I heard absolutely nothing. So, uh, the internet's breaking up a little bit. Did you mention something about sponsors? I was looking at your face and hearing nothing. Nice. Which uh, you know what? That's sort of I think uh, how my wife exists. Yeah. When I talk, so yeah, that may not be the internet. That just may be a, a Trisden thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So no, I was just gonna say, man. Thanks to uh, thanks to Berea Pond. Thanks to uh, Nate at Stoveleg Media. Uh, thanks to our, our friends at Bad Wolf Gaming, and of course uh, Troy at Front Porch Studios. We'll uh, we'll mention them a little bit uh, later. But of course, couldn't do, do the show without you guys, and uh, you're you're very much appreciated. And Ray, on the heels of uh, Gutfelt, I, I think in uh, right wing media and and preaching to the choir. Let's start with Tuberville, man. What about that? I think he kind of said the quiet part out loud this week. Yeah, if I can pull this up, Tristan, it's it's uh, it's him speaking. So Tommy Tuberville is the former Auburn football coach. Tuberville, Tuberville, I've heard it pronounced both ways. But he's the former football coach, uh, Auburn football coach. And we're not, you know, not to pick on Senator Tub, now a United States senator from Alabama. And not to pick on coach slash uh, Senator Tuberville, but the story is told that when he ran, he was asked – to name the three branches of the U.S. government and could not do it. Now, maybe that's apocryphal. Maybe that never happened. But, you know, maybe it did, Tristan. <laughs> now, I would say on a serious note, I wouldn't think more than three in ten Americans could name the three branches of government. Don't you think that? Well, if speaking of our late-night talk show friends, I mean, if you think yeah. about, like, jaywalking or some of these – bits where they just kind of go out into the public and ask you might be right um i like to think that more of us had american government class in high school and closer to five or six out of ten but uh you unfortunately may be right i really don't know i'd have to ask my brother i really don't know how much civics is taught anymore i mean that's part of civics but i mean i could try it out here and there are some bright kids in spite of the fact that they work at a bowling alley (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I and I wonder. Uh, sometimes I marvel at the lack of uh, the lack of his, history knowledge, the, the lack of knowledge of America's history that they have. Like I, I and I, I understand history is a love of mine, and I'm kind of a big date guy. Although I don't ever think history should talk should be taught by dates alone. I think history should be taught as a fact that it's ongoing all the time, and you're always living history, and it's ever present. But I've asked. Um, as as I call them kids and I tell them it's not to disparage them. My daughter works here and she's the, probably older than most at 31. So and I and she's my kid. So I don't use the term kid to be disparaging, though they might think I am. But I've asked the kids here to put rough years on America's wars. 
you know, going all the way back, Revolutionary War. And I mean, the one that they do okay with most of the time is the War of 1812, but sometimes they even miss that. <laughs> and then, of course, the Civil War and World War One and World War Two. And God damn, it's amazing how, I mean, sometimes, Trisden, they're not even in the fucking right century. Really? So, yeah, Ray, it's funny you say that because I'm not a, a history buff. You know, of course, I'm fascinated by history because if you continue to make the mistakes of history, you're doomed to repeat it. So I think it's good to know about about that. Uh, my war that off the top of my head, you know, without Googling, I don't remember what year the Korea, or years the Korean War was. My mind says like late 40s, early 50s, but I'm not positive. When was the Korean War? No. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 51, 52, America was there, probably out by 53. But no, that's right. Of course, we we still have troops in Korea, which is amazing. No doubt. Right? I would assume that's uh, what's yep. that? maybe the DMZ. Yeah, the 38th or, parallel. Or it's actually marked if you're going up uh, 75. And I guess it's a tribute to Korean War vets. They often call the Korean War the Forgotten War because it was tucked in between World War II and Vietnam. And, um, and it was kind of short. Thankfully, I suppose. But uh, there's a marker, the 38th parallel, and it's I don't I'm not exactly sure. I think maybe like around the Georgetown area on uh, I-75. So, um, you know, I'm assuming if what is that called latitude, longitude, where you go around the Earth. So if you followed that line, you'd wind up right at the DMZ and and uh, where North and South Korea come together. Oh, that's pretty cool. I did not know that. But I think we were getting away a little bit from Tuberville. I think we were going to, I think maybe you had a clip and, uh, and we were going to talk a bit about Tommy's uh, week. Tommy T. Yeah. As I said, Tuberville, Tuberville, however they pronounce it. But he is the uh, senator in uh, Alabama now, elected on the heels of being a fairly successful college football coach, won a, won a national championship. I think he was there with Cam Newton in the late aughts, I guess that was, and they won a a national championship, but he was speaking, yes, uh, not yesterday, he was speaking last week, and um, I'm going to try my best to play this clip, and we'll see how it sounds, but this is um, Coach slash Senator Tuberville in front of an adoring audience in Alabama, and I'm, I'm assuming he is running for re-election. It seems like it was six years ago he was elected, but I'm, I'm certain that uh, he's pretty much unopposed. He'll, he'll get back in. So here's him, and we can talk about the quote, assuming you can hear it. They say, some people say, well, they're soft on crime. No, they're not soft on crime. They're pro-crime. They want crime. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Bullshit. They're not owed that. An adoring crowd. So we're, we're, say, well, they're soft we're, oh, sorry. No, All right, enough, soft. Tommy. Uh, were you able to hear that? <laughs> I was, yeah, it sounded fine. So, um, you know, he's addressing an overwhelmingly white audience there, and I, my take is he's basic. When I got the, uh, it, it came off Twitter. My brother forwarded it to me, and it was uh, it was captioned with saying the quiet part out loud. But essentially, and, and you, please, I'd like your opinion as well on this. But what I hear, Senator. Tuberville saying is essentially that the people who do the crime are the same people asking for reparations and screw the reparations because, well, let, all right, let me back up. So what he's saying is Democrats 
aren't soft on crime. They're pro-crime. And the reason they're pro-crime is because they favor reparations for the people committing the crimes, wink, wink, so that it's, according to Democrats, fair that they're doing this crime because we never paid reparations. That's sort of what I hear, and hence saying the quiet part out loud. Does that is that about your take? Yeah, no, I think uh, you're exactly right. That's you know he likened crime to essentially only black folks committing that crime is the way that I'm I'm hearing that. I mean, it's you know like you said, Democrats are soft on crime because we're pro reparations. I mean, I'm repeating what you said. But it's, uh, yeah, just that sort of crime is a black problem and, and Democrats are fine with it because we think black folks should get reparations. I mean, that's a pretty, that's, I mean, again, I know we live in this world and again, this may be the, the pushback from Twitter when everything is racist and everything's a microaggression. So when somebody does say something that is actually pretty blatantly racist, it just sort of blends in with everything else because, you know, the left and the the Twitter liberals are mad about everything. So we lose the credibility to come out and say, God damn, that was really racist because we've been complaining about, you know, casting a black Superman or something for the last five years. So it's, it, it's just, it's madness. Right. So I guess my, my point to, to summarize is essentially that it's just, we lose the credibility on our side to call anything racist because we call everything racist. So then it's the boy who cried wolf. This is very, very racist. And now in this world where everything's racist, nothing is racist. So this side and the the very far right are folks that might say that. And again, he can have his opinion on reparations. That's not necessarily racist, you know, to not want or not believe black people should get reparations for slavery. I mean, that's that's an opinion. He He can have that opinion and that opinion is not racist. But to liken crime to a black person problem or essentially a folks who want reparations problem or man, that, that sounds very racist. And these people are coming to take what's yours. He threw that in there. These are people coming to take what's yours. I mean, this is George Wallace in 1968 and the, and the really maddening and saddening part about it is, and I, and I, what you just said is a great point when everything is racist, nothing's racist. And that's a problem of the left, not the right. right. But it really is George Wallace in 68, and God damn it, man, speaking of history, this is why I say you have to remember that you're living history every day. Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. Let me grab a little bit of water. But this is not very far removed from George Wallace in 1968. And and how much further along are we now? 78, 88, 98, 08, 44 years? No, 54 years. 18, 54 years since since Wallace ran a campaign where he got, he won seven states, Trisden. He got 13 million votes, George Wallace, as a third-party candidate in 1968 and won seven fucking states. Now, they were all south of the Mason-Dixon line, but Mr. Uh, Senator, Coach Mr. Tuberville is talking to the very same people that George Wallace was talking to in 1968. So, fuck, how far has that ball moved? It has. It has. You only have to look at society to know it has. But there are pockets where it has not. 
Republicans have just done a wonderful job demonizing the left. And, you know, that D after the name now is just anathema to everything that these people think about. And, and you're right about that. That's where we are. Now, I would add as an addendum to that, Tristan, that that though these persons who talk like Tuberville generally are Southern, there's plenty of people in the North. The golf league that my brother plays in with a bunch of old 70s guys, not guys in their 70s. Well, they're almost now, but guys who came of age in the 1970s, you know, old hippies and so forth. Um, a lot of them would be in line with that view because they're very comfortable middle to upper middle class white guys who they really don't want their world rocked and they wouldn't necessarily be averse. They might say, ah, that's kind of racist, but I don't totally disagree. I mean, I don't profess to speak for them, but I don't, I don't want to say it's only in the South that that kind of rhetoric plays. There's places all over the country where it plays. Well, and I think the, excuse me, the fascinating part is sort of the title of that video clip, which is it's the quiet part. I don't think you're going to have your brother's friends in a New Jersey country club saying that out loud. They're not that that makes it right to have, you know, to have those feelings right. or what have you, but you're not going to have a New Jersey senator candidate, senatorial candidate come out and talk like that. You know, and again, I'm not it, racism is racism right. whether you say it or whether you don't. But I think it's being normalized and I think that's worse than a couple of white guys in a country club giving each other elbow rubs and, and laughing about a racist joke, which is not good, but it's not the same as being able to mobilize people over the idea that black people are trying to take what's yours. That's scary. Right. Man, speaking of scary, here's a segue, right? Um, what about nuclear Armageddon? Yeah. I think there's an emergency session of the G7, which is, you know, the United States, Britain, France, uh, Australia, I'm not, Japan, I'm not exactly sure, the G7, but, you know, the world's superpowers, if you will, to talk about what further they can do. I mean, at some point, are we just going to have to put troops in there? It's it's really, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, man, it's terrible that the, the Ukrainians blew that bridge up, which I guess was a pride of Putin's. He had, uh, he had, um, been responsible for that bridge to Crimea after they annexed Crimea. And the uh, Ukrainians blew it up on his birthday, which was a real middle finger to Putin. And he retaliated with just bombing, I don't know, 10, 12 Ukrainian cities yesterday and in all these residential areas having nothing to do with any kind of military strategy. Uh, You know, they were not at all involved in military strategy. These were just cities of civilians. And um, man, it's, it's just terrible. Yeah, I agree. And I guess they said that this is the closest we've been to um, really a nuclear war since um, since the the Bay of Pigs. Is that right? Or no, Cuban Cuban Missile Crisis. 1962. Yeah. So, you know, having studied that in history, that's yeah, it was a pretty scary situation. And and I don't know, man, It, it, it just feels like after the next nuclear bomb is dropped, then they're fucking all going to be dropped. It doesn't feel like, you know, Vladimir Putin is going to be able to drop a couple strategic nukes on Ukraine. It feels like once that occurs, you know, uh, the West is going to be all in and it's going to get scary. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is scary, you know? Yeah. The world has always had that balance of terror, as it was called. And, um, you know, he's just very good at blaming 
the other side. And that's, <laughs> I guess that's really where the world is. Because if we can segue all the way back to Gutfeld and think about this, and I do recommend that you watch the show because I would love to hear your opinion on it. You, you, every show is the same. So you only need to watch like two of them to get a, to, and you'll know what the show is about. But, um, what is so marvelous about what he does, and my buddy Limbaugh, who I haven't mentioned in a couple of shows, was the master at this, is he just reverses everything. So any charge that you could make about Republicans, that they're narrow-minded or they're anti-democracy or they're authoritarian, he comes around to making that exact same claim against Democrats. And there's a certain brilliance in it. I mean, uh, uh, Limbaugh made a cottage industry out of it and became probably the wealthiest broadcaster in the history of not probably became the wealthiest broadcaster in the history of radio. Roger Ailes built an empire at Fox News on it. And you know, the gut felt kid, as I call him, uh, that's exactly what the show is. I know you are, but what am I? I mean, they take every claim and charge that Democrats make towards Republicans and they turn it around and say, no, 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 that's not us. That's you. And it, it's, it's in a, in a, in a way, it's like perversely entertaining to watch it. <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be some creativity there. I mean, it is, it is fascinating just having not seen the show yet, but just that mentality of, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you could call us racist. Well, you're the racists. And you know, then, then it just becomes a, a mishmash of, you know, back and forth where no nothing is ever true. Exactly. And I think that's where we are. And and Trump is the, you know, Trump was, God, the master. And truthfully, Tristan, if Trump comes through all of this and there is not a single charge and he comes away unscathed, Teflon Don, at that point, you just got to wave your hands like Wayne's World. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I mean, if this motherfucker comes through all of this and he skates, you just got to go, oh, my God. It's, you know, <laughs> deny, 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 blame everyone else. Nothing is Donnie's fault. These charges are all trumped up. Everything's overblown. I'm the I'm the I'm as pure as the driven snow. I'm here to help you. All they're trying to do is beat me up. And if he comes through with that defense, you just gotta hand it to him and say, Oh my God, this guy is P.T. Barnum and, and uh, uh, you know, on steroids. I mean, he's just the best ever. The the sucker born every minute. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's so true. And 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 I think fair is fair. I, you know, one of the things I always said about Hillary Clinton, listen, f- fucking put her on trial, you know, punish her for her crimes if she's done crimes. <laughs> if not, shut the fuck up about Hillary Clinton. Either, you know, either we're going to hold her to account in a world where there's 50% Republicans who want nothing more than to see her behind bars and 50% Democrats. So to me, it's the same. I mean, you'll have to, to say for Trump. No, I'm not saying that anything Hillary's done is the equivalent of what Trump's done or vice versa. That's not my point. But the point is if the system completely waves Donald Trump, we have to accept it. Like that will have to be, you know, okay, it is what it is. And, and he's, uh, he's not guilty. So we can't really consider him corrupt. Right. 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 But anyway, Hey, let's do a speed round. I, I wrote down a couple things I did want to, to get to. Um, maybe we can get through these in like two minutes, but I am very curious. Uh, is that cool? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, uh, what Ted Cruz said about Herschel Walker. Oh man. Isn't that crazy? Talk about the hypocrisy. I mean, that's really scary. Basically what he said was 
I don't care if he murdered somebody. I just want every Republican who's running to be elected. I mean, once you've reached that point, Tristan, that's a little frightening. That really is, um, it's completely indicative of where that divide is now. I mean, that's what I heard Ted Cruz say when they were asked if any of these charges about paying for an abortion were a bit hypocritical on Herschel's part, or how do you, how do, how are you anti-abortion when you paid for one, perhaps two? Um, what's good for the goose, good for the... I don't care about any of that. I just want to make sure every Republican who's running is elected. Wow. Okay. So the more guy who was molesting children, he should just be put in because he's not a Democrat. As long as he's not a Democrat. That's fucked up. You know, it is, it's really fucked up, right? And one of the nice things, it's kind of opened my heart up a little bit this election season. Locally, uh, one of my good friends is running uh, as a candidate that's not the uh, norm. Well, I'll just say it. He's a Democrat, and uh, the, the county certainly is Republican. And I've got tons of Republican friends who are putting his signs up uh, and uh, his paraphernalia in their businesses because they know this guy and they know he's a good guy and they like him better than the guy with the R. And so that's the nice thing about local politics is who you are as a candidate actually matters in a community when we know you're a good guy. Now, you know, of course, you're going to have your far edge corner people that are never going to vote for anything besides the letter. But man, I think, you know, locally, the people still care who you are and what you're about. And I think nationally, you have to kind of feel that same way. Look, if there's a Democrat that's also a child molester, I would 1 million percent vote for whoever else he's running against because morality has to matter. It can't just be about the letter. I mean, that's part of the the mission of this show, at least in my mind, is being able to have some conversations with people you disagree with and be open-minded. But I mean, something I think we should all be able to agree on, there's not a lot of room to be open-minded against pedophilia, right? Sure. Yes. So yeah, so you mentioned uh, Roy Moore. Uh, it, you know, again, some of these guys, look, I, I don't know if that, if I don't know if it makes you unelectable as Herschel Walker to have had an abortion when you're very much staunchly anti-abortion for any reason. But it does sort of feel like with the abortion issue with a lot of these folks, well, their, their reason to have an abortion is valid. The rest of you losers that want an abortion or you poor people, you should just tough it out and have the kid. But I have a real reason. And I feel like there's a lot of that on the right. Yeah, and obviously he's not anti-abortion. He chose that position because he thought it was politically expedient and it would help him get elected in a conservative state, you know? And now, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, again, it's... <clears throat> but apparently all these races have tightened up, although I did see a clip from uh, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance's debate last night in Ohio. They're only having one. I mean, this election is now a little more than three weeks away, so it's getting down to crunch time. And I've liked Tim Ryan for a long time. He ran against um, Pelosi to become speaker, and he got buried because she's so powerful. But that was when I first heard about him, and he's the guy who had that great line about the Democratic Party lost its way when when they forgot they were the party of people who showered after work. And I, I understand that because that's why my dad was a Democrat. He was a working man, and he thought they were on the side of working people, and they were, at least in the 60s, 70s, 80s. <clears throat> But he, excuse me, he um, beat up Vance pretty good about his whole turn. I don't know if you know much about J.D. Vance, but he was, um, he wrote that Hillbilly Elegy, and it was a pretty good, I read it, it was a pretty good expose on uh, 
Appalachia and how uh, and you would certainly uh, uh, you would, it would mean more to you than me. But an expose on how drugs had whittled it out and how jobs went away and how he was a fan of working people. And it was kind of a travesty what happened there because he sort of split his time between Ohio and the Appalachian foothills in Kentucky when he was a young man. Grandparents in both places. I think he lived in Ohio and spent summers with his grandparents in 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 one of the eastern Kentucky towns. But he sort of just shed all that to become a MAGA pro-Trump guy. And Ryan just sort of beat him up about it and called him a lying jackass or something like that. It got a little nasty, but um, I would like to see Tim Ryan elected as the senator from Ohio uh, beating J.D. Vance. But it's neck and neck, man. All these races are close. Even Oz in Pennsylvania, as kooky as he is, and Herschel's hanging in. But I guess, from what I can understand, there is just oodles and oodles of Republican money coming from all around the country to help prop these candidates up and and, and get them to the finish line or or over the finish line. Yeah, you're right. And I think I read that Herschel Walker, after his abortion, alleged abortion came out, uh, his fundraising went through the roof and he made like a half a million dollars in one night. So, yeah, and that's God dang. And that goes to Ted Cruz's line, you know, that 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 right. Right. That's Ted Cruz's line. Basically, we don't care. We just want to see Republicans because Democrats are just anathema. They're yeah. evil. They're baby killers. They're drinking their blood. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, and, I, and there's there's some of that on the left, certainly for the right. And the, some people on the far left would say everybody on the right's racist or all this. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I, I don't know, I'm speaking only for myself. Look, you, you do have to have some semblance of who you are in your vote. I can't vote for you if you're running on an, uh, the world's biggest anti-abortion policy and you're known to have abortions. I mean, that's, you know, I, I can't wrap my mind around that. So anyway, so next question, I know you got to get out of here. Uh, what the fuck's going on with Kanye West, man? He, he wore the uh, White Lives Matter uh, to, to Paris for um, Fashion Week and, and a lot of his models. I guess that's one of his new shirts, White Lives Matter, and then some Jewish hate speech over the weekend. Man, I know Kanye has some mental illness issues, but I don't know if that gives you a pass for racism and anti-Semitism. What are your thoughts? Well, you would know much more about Kanye, I, I, Kanye than I would. I, you know, I, I really don't know much about him. Um, but I will tell you this: I was flipping through the channels last Friday night, and Tucker Carlson was interviewing him, and I thought, "Oh, this is interesting." Okay, I mean, he is a huge uh, presence in American society, so let me hang with it. And I, uh, the conclusion I draw was he's a very intelligent cat. There is no doubt about that. But he's, you know, his ego is second to none. When God puts a marvelous idea into my head, kind of, it's like, wow, how, how highly do you think of yourself? And God <laughs> made me the richest black man to ever live for a reason. Okay. Uh, both things that he said. But, yeah, he is um, He's a bit loony. He's, a, he's brilliant. Maybe he's Elon Musk-like. He's a brilliant guy, but he he's not... You know, it's hard to kind of figure out where exactly he is because he sort of gets lost in his own thoughts and rambles on. But maybe that's why I liked him. He, <laughs> he reminded me of myself. But, uh, no, I really know very little about Kanye West. Uh, Raymond would know much more, and I'm sure you're a fan of his music, yes? Yeah, big fan of the music, but goddamn, he's starting to lose me with some of this rhetoric. I mean, I'll probably always like the music. I'm, I'm not one to get mad and, and cancel somebody. 
But man, not a fan of uh, obviously anti-Semitism or racism. So now he didn't he get as much of his fortune from fashion as he did from music. Oh, probably more. I would say. Yeah, and see, that's another thing. I couldn't tell you anything about Kanye West's fashion or really his music, so I'm really not the guy qualified. But I'll give myself credit. I stayed through two two commercial breaks. Well, none of us stay through commercial breaks. You flip around, then I went back to it. And I probably watched 20 minutes of that interview, and that's the most Kanye West I'd ever seen in my life, enough to say, intelligent cat, no doubt about it. But what he's actually trying to go after, I don't know. Is it the... Is it the conservative black vote out there that says, um, you know, the only people left to pick on are, you know, you don't understand how hard it is for a white middle class guy like Ray White and Trisden Reynolds. They're getting beat up all the time and we need to be more sympathetic to how difficult their life is. I guess that's the message. But as that guy, I would say. Don't worry about me. I'm doing okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't know, man. I think a question that I've kind of asked myself a lot lately, and I know we're trying to get out of here, so I'm trying uh-huh. try to be brief, but I, I'm kind of like the danger of hate speech. Look, I mean, if you say something like, um, f- I'm mad at the Jews or fuck the Jews. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to have fucking Auschwitz tomorrow, but I guess that's a danger, right? Like, I guess it's a danger that down the road, if you plant that seed enough, I mean, I don't, I don't foresee that there's enough African-American racism that we would bring back slavery. I mean, I feel like that's, I, I don't know. Like basically what is the slippery slope danger of hate speech? Like, or is the fear that it could get that yeah. bad? Or if we, if we don't think about it in those terms that, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I wasn't alive for for the Holocaust or slavery and, and uh, you know, really segregation or anything. So my whole life has been, you know, much better, certainly, than the folks had it during slavery or Jim Crow or obviously the Holocaust. But I don't know. Like, I love free speech, but obviously I'm not a fan of hate speech. And it's, it's a lot to think about. Well, the thing about Kanye West is he really doesn't do this. Is what I mean about it. he's very intelligent, but he's quite aloof. He doesn't really do a good job answering those questions. He goes down 15 different paths. It is very Elon Musk-like, where you're just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? God dang. Yeah, he's intelligent, but golly, man, he's he's aloof. That's that's the, the best word I would use. But, Triz, I tell you what, we'll thank everybody and get out of here and promise our Two listeners that um, we're gonna we're gonna work on all this and 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 hopefully Troy can can make us two idiots sound pretty good because he may have some work to do today. Okay, yeah, you I've got a top ten list. You want to thank the sponsors and get out of here. Okay, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I got a cute dad joke. Sweet. So the cute dad joke brought to you by Berea Pond. Yes, sir. Trisden, do you know why a flamingo lifts up one leg? I do not. If it lifted up both legs, it would fall over. (laughs) Good stuff. Dad joke. Nice. Good time. All right, man. You can do your comedy and we'll get out. Top 10 worst things about a nuclear Armageddon. Number 10, my HelloFresh would probably be late. Number 9, everyone posting mushroom cloud selfies. Number 8, my watch collection would probably drop in value. Number seven, 
new season of Impractical Jokers would be postponed. Number six, top story on Fox News would still be Hunter Biden. <clears throat> That's top 10 worst things about a nuclear Armageddon. Number five, probably have to restart my phone. Number four, post-apocalyptic world has way less Doritos. Number three, people no longer use the 90s slang, the bomb. And that's my favorite. Uh, number two, finding out your neighbor's dog, not as tasty as he looks. And the number one worst thing about nuclear Armageddon, gas prices reach all-time high. All right, Ray, I, uh, I hope that uh, this is recording and uh, it's been a... It's been a show. I don't know if it's been a good show, but I appreciate you. Fucking shit. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.